today on CityCast Denver. Sometimes when I try to explain to people about tribal sovereignty or that there are hundreds of tribal nations within the United States and that each has its own history and culture, I get met with a blank stare. And then they'll say, well, I never learned any of this in school. Really, that shouldn't be surprising. Schools have long been tools to erase indigenous identities. But on this episode, we're talking about a new charter school that's doing things differently, the American Indian Academy of Denver. Today is Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. I'm Avery Lill, and this is CityCast Denver. I'm Chickasaw, but that's an identity that's always been pretty complicated for me. I know more about my heritage from reading the Chickasaw Times than I do from stories that have been passed down. My grandpa moved away from the Chickasaw Nation's territory after college, and my mom thinks he was made to feel ashamed for being Native. He didn't talk about it with her. So even though she, my brothers, and I are citizens too, we've lost a lot of cultural connection. That disconnection is a common thread for a lot of Indigenous people. That's part of why I think it's so cool that a school like American Indian Academy of Denver exists, as a place where students can learn how to talk about and celebrate what it means to be Indigenous, even if they're growing up away from their tribal communities. And then for introductions, there's like a couple of different ways we can do it. Um, I really love it when people introduce themselves in their indigenous language, but I also want to be very respectful that not everybody wants to share their language. Mm -hmm. Do you have a preference for introducing yourself? I do, and I'll use Ojibwe. I'll speak in Ojibwe first, yeah. Okay, that sounds Mm -hmm. great, and I'll I'll welcome you in Chickasaw then. Okay. Um, All right, awesome. I recently visited the school with producer Alexandra McMahon and met with its founder. Terry Bissonnette, Indigenous Gonoje Kaning Adojaba Makwato Dem. My name is Terry Bissonnette. I am Gonoje Kaning Anishinaabe from the Great Lakes region. Uh, my reservation is along the shores of Lake Superior. I'm also Little Traverse Band Odawa from Harbor Springs, Michigan. And I am the founder and head of school of American Indian Academy of Denver. Uh, we are serving grades six through nine this year, uh, and we'll be building out to a full high school. So it, full enrollment will be 612. Chukma, Avery Lil, Welcome, I'm Avery Lil, and I'm Chickasaw. I'm just so glad to be here with you today. Tell me a little bit about where here is. So we are located in the Athmar Park Shopping Center in Denver on Mississippi. Um, we're in the former DMV space that was here for like 30 years. We still have people that come here for their driver's licenses. <laughs> um, this is our second year as a public charter school. We did open during the pandemic in full remote learning and then went to hybrid last spring. So this year is actually, even though it's our second year, it feels like our first year is the first time that we've been in full in-person school. Tell me a little bit about how this got started, especially during a pandemic. What a crazy time to be starting a school. Well, I actually grew up here in Denver. So even though I am originally from Michigan, um, my my mom moved out here during the 1960s. She followed um, her best friend out here during relocation. So Denver was one of the first official relocation cities back in the 50s and 60s when the federal government decided that um, honoring treaty obligations were was getting to be too expensive, especially after World War II. And so they came up with this idea to incentivize 
the moving away from uh, reservations for individuals and families. And Denver was one of the first uh, the official cities that that happened. And so because of that, we have 200 tribes represented here in, in Denver. A lot of people don't realize that. I actually went to Denver Public Schools first grade through 12th. And um, I was always the 1%. A lot of times I was the only Native student in the school. I, may, I was the only Native student that was taking advanced placement classes. I was the only Native student. So, and that's really, t- that's really a typical experience here in Denver Public Schools. Our, our population is scattered. We're spread out all over the city. And our population tends to not do well in traditional school settings. Denver Public Schools graduates approximately 50% of their indigenous students. And that is every year, it's a decades long situation. They are not the only school district. Uh, The Native American population has the lowest graduation rate in the state of Colorado. Because our numbers are low, there's not a lot of money and human human capital put into, invested into our Um, into our population, even though we are the most severely underserved population. Knowing that and being an educator, knowing that I went through this this school system, um, I actually was working as a consultant back in 2015, and I got to visit the Native American Community Academy down in Albuquerque, which is a public charter school in Albuquerque Public Schools, and they are highly successful. It took them 11 years, but they have eliminated the achievement gap um, for in all areas, all subgroups um, for uh, their, their Native American students to white students. And, you know, that visit changed my life. I really felt like that type of model where it's community based, it's focused on academic preparedness as well as cultural identity. Uh, was something that needed to happen here in Denver. I want to go back to what you were talking about, about growing up, um, that you're the daughter of somebody who was part of the 1960s BIA relocation program, and that history of that attempt of forcing people to assimilate is so, it's so much a part of so many of our identities. What was missing in your school growing up that you really want to make sure students get here? Well, forced assimilation in, in our family started be way before the 1960s my mom is a boarding school survivor Mm. and so she was it she wasn't forced to go to boarding school but it was the the state of michigan um after world war ii basically told her family um hey you you really can't afford to take care of your kids and you should send them to these to this catholic boarding school she had her she had her language beaten out of her there and so that forced assimilation happened it, it was very, uh, very effective. It was very complete. All of those things, that sense of loss, that sense of disconnection, are things that we deal with. And, you know, historical trauma, basically, right? So a cultural genocide, all of that kind of stuff. We have to, do, we have to address those issues because how historical trauma manifests itself and continues to perpetuate in our communities is typically through violence and typically through substance abuse. And so this school is really a lot about reclamation, reclaiming the genius of our ancestors, showing students that we've always been scientists, we've always been creators and innovators, artists and mathematicians, and and that is a cultural legacy that they can hold on to. And what we're helping them to do is to bring it into the 21st century. 
because even in our communities, we often always are talking about the past, right? We're talking about what happened in the past. And so for a lot of our kids, they don't, they, that's not interesting to them. That's not something that they want to dwell on. And so what we work very hard to do is to show how relevant it is in a 21st century format so that they can see, oh, hey, wait a second, I can take these things that we've always known since the beginning of time, and I can, I can see how it fits into, you know, issues around climate change. Or I can, I can see how it, it fits into issues around, you know, city planning and engineering and all of those types of things. So we want our students to be able to get out into the community, and to really develop the relationship with land and water, and 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 look at what are the challenges, what are the issues that we're that we're facing here and then really facilitating a a process where students can come up with real world solutions to those problems. And so that's kind of the, you know, I think reclamation, land-based learning, problem-based learning, project-based learning, all of those things go into how we indigenize and how we do it in a way that really, it, it benefits all students it's not just Native students or Indigenous students. It benefits all students. Because this uh, is a charter school, so there's students. It, you don't have to be Indigenous to come here, right? No, yeah, we're a public school. Yeah. Um, it just tends to really benefit our Indigenous students, you know, the most. Can you give me an example of what a lesson might look like? Well, in I think around the land-based learning, uh, and I often use this example, um, it, last year, we were so excited when we were able to to really take our kids out f- for the first time on a, on a land-based learning excursion. I try not to call them field trips because they are actual going out into, you know, we, we took them up to um, a place near Deckers and also a place near, in Boulder. Uh, and they were they were places where there had been fires, wildfires. And prior to the to the trip, there was a lot of um, a lot of discussion about how, indigenous people, uh, we've always understood that fire is an essential part of an ecosystem and you can't remove it without having disastrous consequences and how um, we would intentionally use fire you know, to, um, to help regenerate a, a, a place that we may have you know, been living in for a few months or something like that. And then we would, you know, kind of like a controlled burn. And we had them flying drones so that they could see, they could collect data from above. And then, you know, and then they were collecting, they were collecting soil samples and that sort of thing. And I see so much learning in science and so much learning in the environment and history in a lesson like that. Yes. Yeah. And in humanities, too, I think, you know, the, the uh, a lot of the damage that, that is done to students, to indigenous students in schools happens in social studies, um, whether it's just... Uh, it, you know, inaccurate information, uh, overt, like just offensive information, or just being rendered invisible, just having no information at all. Speaking about people in the past tense as though exactly. we don't exist anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we spend a lot of time, I mean, our students see themselves in the content uh, that they are engaging in in humanities, but it's also a, a lot around uh, social justice and uh, racial justice and environmental justice. And so they engage in in research and inquiry around those things. And something I'm really curious about is with the number of tribal nations represented in Denver, I have to imagine that your student body is also very diverse. 
how do you think about having a Native American or like an American Indian Academy that also respects and celebrates the differences in tribal nations? Well, I think that was that was a big challenge for us in the beginning, and that is really where we decided to look at what are the, what are some of the universal threads that that flow through all of those groups, and we we continue to do that. We continue to think about what are the universal threads. We want to be as inclusive as possible, but also we want to honor individual differences. We want to make sure that students are being celebrated for who they are and how they identify. I often say a lot of our indigenous students. They don't, they don't necessarily identify as being indigenous because of that disconnect, because of the loss. Um, and so they may identify as something, you know, something else first. They may identify just as an inner city kid. That may be their, their first identification. And so we have to make sure that we're not forcing them into any, you know, any labels or anything like that. We want to make sure that, that they're being celebrated for who they are as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I hope this isn't too personal, but I know I hear you talking about the disconnection in your own family, um, with language and culture, even before your mom moved to Denver. How has it been for you to build this place? It's actually, I mean, it, I think I think it is, you know, and I, I often say it's very ironic that education was the the tool that was used to um, to really, I mean, school systems were set up to destroy us. That, that's what boarding schools were, to strip us of our languages, our cultural practices, uh, to, uh, you know, to force us to be Euro-Christians. Um, and, and so it's, it's ironic that education now, and, and I have a very deep understanding of that, that this is the, this is really the, our best, most effective tool in, in healing that. And so we've kind of come full circle. And I think even though I didn't set out uh, when I came up with this crazy idea to open a school, (laughs) I didn't set out thinking, wow, you know, we've come full circle, but that's exactly what, that's exactly, for our family, that's exactly what it is. And I've spent probably since I was 18 years old, um, my life, even though, again, I don't think I consciously really decided this, but my life has been about reclamation and about healing um, and healing the, just everything that my mom went through, even though I didn't realize it at the time. Mm -hmm. And so now the school, you know, I I have an opportunity to, uh, to help other families with that same process. Well, Terry, I just want to thank you so much for being on CityCast Denver. Absolutely. Thank you, and I'm, I'm glad you guys could come and visit. I'm so excited about what y'all are doing. I think it's great. Open enrollment for the American Indian Academy of Denver starts January 14th. So if you have kids in grades 6 through 10 and want to know more, be on the lookout for open houses in the new year. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. And hey, if you've got a friend in Houston or Salt Lake City, there's a CityCast for them too. Learn more about all the new pods and newsletters at citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye, y'all. Now, 
too. Them now too. Whew. All right. I can say them now too. <laughs> can we just say too instead of now too? <laughs> 